So, Father, we thank you for the word and we thank you for the blessings you've given to us. And, Father, we thank you for all the wonderful things that you, that you do for us each and every day. And, Father, for all the wonderful things that you've done for us because of the cross. Uh, but, Father, it didn't end at the cross as far as you doing for us. But we thank you for all the blessings that you provide for us. We thank you for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's open up our Bibles to the book of, of Hebrews. Uh, we've been talking a little bit about uh, suffering and, and how Christians to suffer. But there was, there was just, I was just thinking about this today, and, and uh, uh, I just want to make a, a point about one other thing. We, we'd mentioned this a little bit at the beginning of this discussion, but I wanted to go back and, and look at it a little bit more um, over in Hebrews chapter 5. <clears throat> And so it says here um, in um, Hebrews chapter 5, it says verse 8. So it's talking about the Lord Jesus as though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. So um, here it says that he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And... Uh, you know, there, there's, a, there's a lot of things that go on in a Christian's life when they suffer, right? And, and so, so far, if, if you know, we've gone through the scriptures. The only thing that you should be suffering for, if you're suffering at all, is persecution because you're doing the work of the Lord, right? Uh, and so he said here that he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And so what was he being obedient to do? He was being obedient to do whatever the Lord told him to, right? Whatever the Father told him to do. So you go pray for that person. You go say this thing to this person. You go preach these messages. You, know, you go raise this person from the dead. Don't go over that person and raise them from the dead, but go over there and heal that person, you know, different things. Uh, and so whatever the Father instructed him to do, then that's what Jesus did. So was everybody happy every time Jesus did something? No, yeah, but was he obedient? He was always obedient, right? Uh, and, and part of the thing that I wanted to, to stress here is sometimes in our suffering, we elevate our suffering uh, and we should never elevate our suffering. You know, there's nothing wrong with, hey, you know, this happened to me, that happened to me. You know, uh, Paul mentions many different ways that he suffered, but we should elevate our obedience. Uh, and, and our lives are not about what we suffer. Our lives are about what, are, are about what we obey, uh, because you could obey and not suffer any uh, any persecution. Right. And so obedience uh, is better than that. And I wanted to go back and read a story, and we know uh, generally about the story, but, uh, but the point that I want to stress is don't ever elevate your suffering because sometimes we almost take pride in our sufferings, right? I hear people almost kind of brag about the things they've suffered. Oh, I've suffered so much for the Lord. Uh, well, the real question is, have you ever been obedient to the Lord, right? I don't really care about your suffering. I want to care about your obedience because if you're obedient to the Lord, then you then you get to have all the blessings of the Lord. Some people suffer and they say they're suffering for the Lord, but not really suffering for the Lord. They're just suffering. Right. Maybe it's in sickness and disease. You know, how many Christians do we know that in their suffering and sickness and disease will kind of claim that they're doing it for the benefit of the Lord as if he needs you to suffer uh, in sickness and disease. In fact, the Lord never needs you to suffer. That's not he never desires for you to suffer for suffering's sake. What he needs you to do is to be obedient. And sometimes in obedience, there is suffering. Uh, and so make sure you always keep it in the right order that my number one responsibility is to obey. Uh, if 
uh, in the process of obedience, I suffer. Well, that's fine. I've got no problem with that as long as I know I'm in the will of God and know that I'm doing God's will. Then that's fine, but it's not required. You know, sometimes you can actually obey and all you receive is blessings, right? So it's okay sometimes to not actually suffer. And some people, they think unless they're always suffering and everything's terrible and they're always bad and everything falls apart and right, everything dies or whatever, that they're not really uh, servants of the Lord. And But they're getting it backwards. We obey, we always obey, and on occasion we may have to suffer because of that obedience. So make sure we don't elevate the suffering because um, Jesus, you know, in his earthly life until the cross, he suffered verbal persecution, but he never suffered any uh, any real physical persecution. I mean, they did grab him one time, throw him off the cliff, but before they got there, he, he left the crowd. So uh, he never did really suffer any physical abuse until uh, he allowed them to capture him there in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, and so, so we want to make sure that we don't elevate our suffering because there's no glory in our suffering, right? There, uh, the only thing about our suffering is uh, it was necessary in order to obey, right? That we had to obey. We had to go say this. We had to go do that to be obedient to the Lord. And in doing that, we suffered. And so, and, and no doubt all of us have done that, right? All of us, we felt like we needed to pray over our food at the restaurant or whatever, and somebody sneers at us. I mean, you know, the suffering that we typically do in, in America, in this area, is pretty minor, right, compared to people dying in a prison over in, you know, uh, China or, you know, being killed uh, in Afghanistan by the Taliban, right? You get your head cut off. You know, that's real suffering, right? If someone says something mean about us, you know, we, we act like our, our life has come to an end. It's like, you know, it's really not all that bad compared to, you know, the rest of the world, right? Yeah, but they hurt my feelings. Well, I mean, maybe they did, but, you know, uh, but, uh, but even if you, if you, uh, go through the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate suffering, and die on the earth, you're still going to heaven, right? So the worst they can do is send you to heaven. So, you know, Christians should never fear death, you know, and we don't look for death. We're not trying to become martyrs, right? You should never strive to be, be a martyr. That's not anybody's calling is to be a martyr. Your calling is to be obedient, amen? Uh, and so, so, you know, no doubt all of us have suffered, but it's mostly social uh, persecution right where they say something against you or they stiff arm you you know this church because we exist even in our community because we're a faith charismatic pentecostal tongue-talking church there are certain people who just won't associate with us you know uh, and because we believe in things like prosperity even in some of the pentecostal world they they look down their noses upon us you know that you know oh you guys believe in prosperity and uh, you know my thought is always you mean you don't? Why wouldn't you believe in the God who walks on the streets of gold, right? Why wouldn't you believe in those things? And, and um, you know, uh, I, I never have understood why people are against things, right? Um, I'm against, I'm against, um, I'm against bad doctrine, right? I'm against where you just read something in the word and say, well, it doesn't say that or it doesn't mean that. Well, that's bad doctrine, right? And if the Lord says, you know, uh, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, that the, he has the cattle on a thousand hills, on a thousand hills, and the gold is his and the silver is his, then wouldn't we be able to partake in that, right? Don't we have an inheritance? Everything that he owns, don't we basically own it already? Because he died, and so everything he owned, if he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, then don't you own a cattle on a thousand his, hills? If the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, 
then don't you own the earth and the fullness thereof? Uh, if he walks in streets of gold, then don't you walk in streets of gold? I mean, uh, you know, well, that's all in the future. Why is it in the future? Didn't Jesus tell uh, Peter that in this life you will receive a hundredfold if you're obedient to the Lord to, you know, to, to give up anything for his sake or the gospel's sake? In this life, you'll receive a hundredfold and in the, in the life to come, eternal life. Um, and so, uh, you know, I just, I don't understand. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I, I think it's a fleshly reaction to the excesses that has, has honestly occurred, right? So excesses in the doctrine of healing, excesses in the doctrine of prosperity, uh, really the excesses in any faith doctrine has been, uh, has uh, occurred and has happened, right? Uh, people, you know, well, I'm just not going to eat. God's going to provide for me. I'm just going to write faith checks. God will provide for me, right? I'm just going to walk into the freeway and God's going to provide for me. I'm going to grab this snake, you know, this poisonous snake by the hand and God's going to provide for me. All of those things are excessive and um, they're fanatical and they're extreme because the Lord didn't tell them to do that, right? Remember the devil told Jesus, throw yourself off the cliff and the angels will, will pick you up. And Jesus said, I'm not supposed to tempt the Lord. What's wrong with you, right? I don't do things just to prove that God is, you know, I don't, God doesn't prove anything to me. Uh, and so uh, there are people who will do things to prove that God is real, right? Uh, and God's not in the obligation to prove to you that he exists. The Bible, in fact, the Bible says, that uh, that that uh, uh, without faith it's impossible to please God because he that cometh to God must believe that he is. It doesn't say that he that, that cometh to God must get God to prove that he exists. The Bible says that we must believe that he exists. Uh, and so he, I don't need him to do anything to me to prove that he exists. I have to believe that he exists. So there, yeah, there is a lot of extremism that's occurred. But why would we throw out what the word says? Because for me, I could care less what you do or what the experiences of anybody that's done in the world, whether they're good or bad in, the, in relation to the church. I, what, what's the word say? You know, it doesn't matter if you're handling snakes or, you know, drinking poison or whatever. I mean, you know, all those things are dumb, but that doesn't change anything to me. It's like, what's the word say, right? If the word says that uh, I can take up any deadly thing and it won't harm me, then I'll take up any deadly thing and it won't harm me. Now, it doesn't say I got to go look for it, right? I mean... Paul got bit by a snake, right? He shook it off in the, in the fire. So if we'll just stick with the word and, and, um, and not use other people's experience to develop our doctrine, because that's what's happened is now they're the opposition, right? They're looking at what you've done, what they've done, what those people are there did, and they're saying, well, we're going to be against that, we're going to be against that, we're going to be against that. And I'm not really against anything. I'm just for the word. And I mean, whatever they do, I don't, you know, none of my business, right? What's the word say? And so if we'll, if we'll stick with the word, we'll be okay. Amen. Uh, and so, but I wanted to go back and just look at first uh, Samuel because, um, you know, obedience to me is one of the, one of the most important things that you can learn to obey uh, quickly, to obey um, uh, with, without um, question, um, and, it's, you know, there's nothing wrong with getting more information from the Lord. Lord, why, why are you doing this right? Do you remember uh, when the Gabriel came to Mary, he said, you're going to be with child. And she, and she said, like, well, that's great, but um, I've not been with any man, right? So how is that going to work? And so it wasn't that she was being disobedient. She just was, you know, it was a valid question, right? How's that going to work? And so, and Gabriel told her, right? He didn't, she didn't suffer for that. You know, she just asked a question. Amen. 
Uh, and so, um, so here we are in First Samuel. So now First Samuel, this area in chapter 15, is talking about Paul as the king, or Saul as the king, right? So Saul is the king of, of Israel right now, and uh, Samuel is the prophet, and Samuel is the one who anointed Saul, right, as the king. And now this is many years after Saul was, was uh, anointed as king. And Saul started out as a pretty good king, but he kind of messed up along the way, right? He kept getting worse and worse. And here we are in this story. And so it says in verse 1, Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which uh, Amalek did to Israel how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. So this is, now this is, this is the first king of Israel, right? So this was after all of the book of Judges, right? And after um, all of, uh, uh, of Joshua, right? So this is, uh, I think this is during uh, Moses' time. So when Moses was around, which is back in, in Exodus, uh, this, is that, this is talking about that event that occurred hundreds of years before right because they had like what uh, 25 judges or something like that uh, and then plus all of the life of joshua so we're talking about hundreds of years after this event occurred and the lord said i remember that which uh, amalek did to israel how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from egypt so you think if the lord remember that sin i mean is he gonna uh, forget anybody's sins that haven't repented no, there's no forgetting of sins that have not been repented of, right? He said, now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. Uh, and so all sin has to be judged. And it can be judged now, it can be judged later, it's got to be judged, right? There's no sin that cannot, that cannot lay wait. Now they could have repented, right? They could have asked for forgiveness. They could have come to Israel and said, hey, can you sacrifice to the Lord on our behalf? They chose not to do that, right? And so the judgment is falling here. And, and so what did the Lord say to get rid of that the uh, Amalekites had? Everything, right? Every man, woman, child, thing, right? Uh, kill them all, burn the rest, right? I mean, just lay waste to the, to the entire country, to, to everything that they have, right? All of the people, all of the things, everything, right? Keep none of it. So that's the commandment. That's the thing that the, that, the, that the prophet told the king to do. So in verse 4, so Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in, in uh, Telahim, uh, 200,000 footmen and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city, uh, to a city of Amalek and laid wait in the valley. And Saul said unto the uh, Kenites, go and depart. So it's another group of people not part of the uh, Amalekites uh, but um, they were their neighbors or part of their clan, but not directly related to the, the Amalekites. So he said unto the Kenites, Go, uh, depart, get you down from the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them, for you showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. And Saul smote the Amalekites from um, Havilah until thou comest to Shur that is over against Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatlings and the lamb and all that was good. 
and would not utterly destroy them. But everything that was vile and refuse, they, that they destroyed utterly. So they kept the king. They kept the, the good stuff. Is that what the, what the Lord told them to do? No, what did the Lord tell them to do? Kill everything. If it moved, you got to kill it, right? Uh, and so, um, uh, but they didn't do that. Uh, and then it says uh, in verse 10, Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, I, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he has turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. Now, and Samuel and Saul had a close relationship. You know, it was almost like, uh, Samuel was kind of like uh, Saul's father. I know he had a father, but he just felt like he, there was a kindred uh, relationship there. And, um, and so it really, uh, it really bothered Samuel when the Lord passed judgment over Saul. Uh, and he wept, for, he wept for Saul. And when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel saying, Saul came to Carmel and behold, he set up a place and has gone about and passed, down, passed on and gone down to Gilgal. Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Is that true? No. And so now Saul's lying, right? And then uh, verse 14 is one, one of the funniest verses. And Samuel said, What meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? You said you killed everything, but I just heard some sheep, you know, uh, buying in the background and mooing in the, over the hill, right? Uh, what's that? Oh, oh yeah, sorry, you know, I told you to keep the sheep quiet. What's wrong with you, you know? Uh, and so, uh, and Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God and the rest we have utterly destroyed. So I thought it said that Saul uh, uh, didn't destroy them, right? Uh, and so um, it says in verse 9, But Saul and the people spared uh, Agag and the best of the sheep. So Saul was just as much in it as the people, but now that he's caught, they did it, Lord, right? He didn't say, I did it. He said, they did it. He didn't say, we did it. He said, they did it, right? And he said, we're going to offer sacrifice unto who? The Lord who? Thy God. Right? He didn't say my God. He said thy God. So, so he didn't have any relationship with the Lord. He should have. You know, the Lord, David is always my God, right? Uh, but Saul, it's thy God, right? It's your God. Uh, and so, you know, um, it's just amazing sometimes we get important. We forget, you know, where we came from, right? Uh, and so... Um, so, again, Saul lied, right? First of all, he said he did everything. And then uh, when Samuel's like, uh, what's that I hear? And Saul said, well, they, they, they over there didn't do what you said. Uh, and it says in verse 16, Then Samuel said unto Saul, Stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord hath said to me this night. And he said to him, Say on. And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight. You remember when they tried to anoint Saul as king, he hid, right? He didn't want to be king. Uh, but the Lord had chose him, right? Uh, and so um, the, the Lord uh, he said, when, when you were little in your own sight, you know, you should always stay little in your own sight, right? Um, you know, for me, I remind myself on a regular basis, I am made out of dust and clay. And dust and clay is of no value and, and is worth zero amount of glory and worship, right? 
and yet sometimes when you become king, you suddenly think, I'm so worthy to be worshipped, and I'm so important, and I must be really uh, a valuable person uh, to all of humanity. Uh, and uh, Samuel reminded him, when you were little in your own sight, was thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel, and the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners. So, you know, sometimes sinners have to be removed from the earth. And someday they will all be removed from this earth, right? Someday, they, now they all get a choice. They all get a choice to accept the Lord between now and then. Every single man, woman, and child on the earth that uh, is breathing air will have had a chance, at least one chance, to accept the Lord as their Savior, accept the Lord Jesus himself specifically as their Savior. If they choose not to do that, it's not the Lord's choice to send them to hell. It's their choice, right? Same thing with the Amalekites. They could have come and repented to the nation of Israel. Uh, and uh, asked to make sacrifice on behalf of them to the Lord Jehovah, and they chose not to. So here they are sinners, they're being judged. Uh, and he said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the uh, Malachites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then thou didst not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord. You know, it's really hard sometimes for, for when the Lord says, just get rid of everything. Remember the rich young ruler? The Lord said, you lack one thing, sell all that you have and give to the poor. And notice how the Lord said it. He didn't say sell all you have and give all to the poor. He said sell all you have and give to the poor. So he could have given 10%, 20%, 50%. You know, I don't know what the number is. The Lord didn't even specify the number. But whatever the things that he had, the Lord knew they were a hindrance to his spiritual walk. He, he felt self-important because of the things that he had. You ever met people that feel self-important because... The, the car they drive or because the house they own or because the job they have or because the title they have or because the bank account that they own. It's amazing how many people think that those natural things make them somehow important than other people. And that's why James rails against a lot of rich people, right? Because a lot of times you get rich people and they think because they got money, there's somebody important, right? Uh, and it's like, it's just dirt, right? All the money came from dirt. It's got to go back to dirt. So it doesn't make you more important because you've got a dirt, you know, you've got a pile of dirt in your backyard. We've all got a pile of dirt in our backyard, don't we, right? It'd be nice if we could turn it all into gold and silver. Uh, but um, uh, but you've got to be careful of wherever you are. And, and, you know, the thing that's amazing, my observation is it doesn't matter what you obtain. Many times people can obtain the smallest thing and they somehow become king of the earth. You know, you ever go to these like little booths, you know, the airport or something or the mall and this person like the manager of this hot dog booth, right? It's not like the biggest hot dog chain in the world. This is one little booth, right? And they got one little stove, and, but they're the manager. But they'll lord it over everybody, right? They'll lord it over the, 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 you know, the underling hot dog cooker, right? As if, you know, I'm the, I'm, I'm the manager. Yeah, but the hot dog stand. Uh, and how does that make you more important than anybody else in the world? And then you get these billionaires, you know, they think because they're billionaires, they don't have to obey the laws, right? They just do whatever they want to. And it, well, last time I checked, you know, and uh, it's unfortunate. It seems like the only class doesn't, that's not required to obey the laws are politicians, right? It seems like politicians just get away with the worst things. And, you know, if you and I did any of those things, we'd be thrown in jail forever. And they do all these things and they get away with it. And it's like, well, you know, that, that seems to be unjust to me. But sometimes they think that, they're, that they, they don't have to obey the laws, right? Because they wrote them, so somehow they don't have to obey them. So, and Saul had gotten to that same point. I'm king. Um, and, and I don't really know why he, he did these things, right? I mean, he, he saved them. Um, but um, 
you know, he didn't say in verse nine why he saved them. Uh, he just saved them because he was uh, because they were good. Right now, he told Samuel it was to offer them as sacrifice to the Lord. But I think he was just, um, you know, uh, calling it audible right there and just, well, that's why we did it. Yeah, that's why we did it. But really, probably why I did it was because he that seemed like a shame to waste that. Right. You ever thought that it's just such a shame to waste that. And the Lord says, throw it out. But it's, but Lord, it's, it, it's a waste. You don't want to throw that out, right? But if the Lord says, throw it out, what do you do? You throw it out, right? Uh, and so, you remember uh, when uh, it was with uh, Abraham and Hagar and Ishmael? And Ishmael was causing problems with, with Isaac. Uh, and, and um, you know, uh, Sarah said, you got to get rid of him. Got to get rid of him. They're, they're, they're going to be a hindrance to the plan of God. And, and Abraham's like, I don't want to get rid of him. You know, that's my son. And it was his son. Uh, and he went off and pouted in the wilderness. And the Lord spoke to him and said, you go back and do what your wife said. A lot of men would be saved if they go back and do what their wife said, wouldn't they, right? Uh, and so I don't have to listen to my wife. The Lord told Abraham to listen to his wife. Uh, and so, uh, so Abraham drug his feet. He didn't want to do what, what he knew was the right thing to do. But, you know, sometimes it hurts to do the right thing in a sense that it hurts your flesh. It hurts your intellect. You know, well, that seems like a waste to get rid of all these nice sheep. Right? I mean, we could eat them. Right. And, you know, they wanted to, I'm sure the king, they saved the king, not because they were trying to be merciful. They wanted to parade the king and sh at like trophy. Hey, look what we've got. We've captured the great king of the Amalekites. And look what we've done. You know, give us glory and honor. Uh, and so um, uh, he said, uh, Samuel said in verse 19, you did evil in the sight of the Lord. So what was the evil? The evil was the disobedience. Right? It wasn't the, the specific act of keeping the sheep or keeping the king. It was the fact that they disobeyed the Lord. That was the evil that they did. Uh, and Saul said, yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and have gone the way the which the Lord sent me and have brought Agag, the king of, the Amalekite, uh, king of uh, Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. So again, there's the thy God part, right? And again, he's, he's throwing them under the bus, even though he was right there with them, right? And so, uh, you know, he just won't give it up. And I have seen people fight to the bitter end. They will not admit fault. I mean, if the Lord stops the earth spinning, they, I, I did no wrong, but you did do wrong. It wasn't me, but it was you. Uh, and how many times have we all faced that where, you know, we've been caught on the carpet uh, with our hand in a cookie jar. Uh, not my hand, it's somebody else's hand. Uh, who's that hand attached to? I don't know. You know, they've never started lying. I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? You know. Uh, and and it's, it's really hard sometimes when people get confronted to just uh, pause, think about it, and realize, you know, I'm guilty. Uh, and let me follow my face for the mercy of the Lord. You know, and remember when David was, was caught red-handed, killing Bathsheba's husband? And remember the prophet Nathan came to him and said, you know, I'm going to tell you the story of this uh, this." One uh, poor family had one sheep and this and this one rich guy liked the sheep and went and took the sheep from the poor family. You know, and David's like, oh, you know, 
I'll go take care of it right now. You tell me who it was. I'll go take care of it right now. And Nathan said, it was you. You're the one. But what was David's response? Created me a clean heart, O Lord, you know, unto, uh, against thee and thee only have I sinned. You know, he fessed up now. And then he was in, he was in intercession on behalf of the child because Nathan said that, that the, the child will die. But, but uh, remember, when David fasted for seven days and then the child died. And they thought, oh, no, we can't go tell him. But remember, they told him that the child died and he got up immediately, went and cleaned himself up and washed. They're like, we thought you'd just go berserk when you found that the child died. And David's like, the Lord spoke that the child would die. He said, but until the child breathes his last breath, there's always a shot for mercy. See, David knew the Lord. And that's why so many times for centuries, even now, even when, David, when Jesus was on the earth, he always said, uh, for David's sake, right? A man after God's own heart. Even though David wasn't perfect, but he still, he loved the Lord. And uh, so the Lord, it doesn't require perfection. He requires you to love him, right? And so David was caught, but his response was, you're right. Uh, I'm, I'm guilty. He didn't fight it. He didn't argue. Well, you know, I'm a king. I have needs, right? And, um, you know, Bathsheba was sitting there naked. What do you expect me to do, right? Uh, and so, but he should have been out fighting like the kings are supposed to fight. You know, he was taking it easy. That's another whole discussion there. But, but David's response was the correct response. Now, he couldn't save the child because of his own sin, but um, he, he, did, uh, he did repent, didn't he, right? Uh, and so, so Samuel told Saul everything that he did, and yet Saul said, I have obeyed. And then he says right there, well, except for the things that I didn't obey in, right? We're keeping the king and all the stuff. And, um, and then verse 22 is really the key, right? Verse 22 and 23. And Samuel said, hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obedience, as obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of, man, of rams. So that's a great, uh, a great portion of that verse. To obey is better than sacrifice. And some people will, will do all kinds of things for the Lord. You know, uh, give every penny they own to the Lord. Give every ounce of breath they have to the Lord. And, and do everything they do for the Lord except what the Lord wants them to do. They will, you know, travel the earth. But the Lord wants them to stay home. They'll stay home. The Lord wants them to travel the earth. You know, whatever it is. But, you know, a lot of times, they, well, I, I don't want to, I, but I want to do this. So because I don't want to do what the Lord wants me to, I'll do this in a big way and try to earn by my sacrifice the blessings of obedience that I would normally get by actually doing what I'm supposed to do. And how many times have, have probably all of us done that, right? Uh, and, and, you know, we don't want to obey, but we're going to do all this work to try to earn our way back to the blessings of the Lord, right? Uh, and so, and that's what Saul was doing. He was trying to say, well, look, you know, we're going we're gonna to offer these sacrifices to the Lord. And doesn't the Lord like sacrifices? Well, the... The Bible says he takes no pleasure in sacrifices, right? It just was a necessary part of, um, of the covenant at that time, right? Uh, and so uh, Saul told Samuel, it's, it, to obey is better than sacrifice. And then he says in verse 23, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath re also rejected thee from being king. So he said, rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. Now, did I write these words? I didn't write these words, right? So you can't get mad at me, but uh, anytime people are rebellious against the Lord, the, as far as the Lord's concerned, that's just like being involved in witchcraft. 
oh, I can't, I, you know, I would never do that. I never wear a pointy hat and fly on a broom or anything like that, you know, keep black cats around my house or anything like that. You know, I mean, that's of the devil. We don't do stuff like that. What would you do with the Lord said? No, well, you're the same. Might as well wear a pointy hat, right? Didn't know what he says, right? Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And what did the Lord think of witchcraft in the Old Testament? Burn them all, bury the rest, right? I mean, you know, if you're a witch, you're bad, you're bad off in, in um, the nation of Israel. Uh, and so it didn't pay to be a witch in the nation of Israel. So to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of the ram. So, uh, so in, in the, in, of course, we're talking about, um, we're talking about uh, suffering as Christians, right? But the only suffering you're going to do is obedience, right? So the suffering that Saul would have had to go through to obey the Lord, he would have to suffer the loss of all that good stuff, right? Of all those things that, well, Lord, those are top shelf sheep, right? You know, we could either sell them, give the money to the poor. Doesn't that sound good, right? We can help the poor with that. And how, how many Christians and ministries have, have gone astray because they figured out some get-rich-quick scheme and yeah, they made a lot of money. And Lord, this is for your glory. But the Lord never told them to do that. And the Lord didn't want them to do that. And it was out of order to do that, right? Uh, remember back in the day when um, Dr. Dufresne was on the earth, uh, the churches were, had gotten, a lot of churches had gotten involved in those phone cards, right? Back before cell phones and all that, back when long distance calls cost real money. And these companies started selling phone cards that you could buy this phone card, you'd call this number, that would give you a long distance dial tone, then you call your long distance number after that and it was cheaper. It was, you know, half the price or less. And so everybody was using these phone cards. And so they set up this multi-level marketing deal where if, uh, you know, if now you work for me, so you sell cards for me. And so I get a cut of what you sell and then you can go get some people to sell cards for you and you get a cut from them. And then I get a cut again from you. So everybody under me, I get a cut from. So the more people under me, the more money I make. And so they got into churches and they, and they figured out, well, we'll get the pastor to be the top dog and he'll get everybody in the church selling phone cards and he'll make a lot of money. I know pastors who were, became wealthy because of that, uh, because they had hundreds of people and you got, you know, I'm sure every single person wasn't selling, but you got dozens and dozens of people selling on your behalf. Now they're making money while well, I'm tithing on it. Well, that, that, that sounds good to tithe on that, right? I mean, you're making a million dollars, be good to tithe $100,000 to the church. Except did the Lord tell the pastor to shear the sheep and, and get money from them and get you all working for me and making you making my billfold fatter because of your labor? Um, I mean, it's it's uh, um, I mean, nothing wrong with receiving offerings and nothing wrong with being paid to uh, to present the gospel uh, because a workman is worthy of his wages. But that's not me working, and getting my wages based on my preaching. That's me just shearing the sheep, right? Taking advantage of my position as the as the pastor. Yeah, and so the Lord told Dr. Dufresne, you go straighten it up. Well, why do you want me to straighten it up? Because <laughs> you're the prophet. That's your job, right? And of course, the more you straightened it up, the fewer phone calls he got. And the Lord's like, what? I'm not good enough to take care of you. I thought I was your source and not all these churches, right? So he had to, he had to learn obedience by go. He had to go do what the Lord told him to do, knowing that he would get fewer phone calls to come and preach. Uh, but the Lord still took care of him, right? Uh, and so, so it's, it's really easy in our, in our, mentality to justify our actions and that's the failing of so many times in the, in the word of God where um, I'm doing this for the Lord or I'm doing this for this sake and, and we mask the reality that all uh, I mean there may not be anything inherently wrong with what you're doing there's nothing illegal about a pastor selling phone cards you know I mean nobody went to jail because of that 
uh, and so it's not it's not that what you're doing is illegal. It's just that what you're doing is in disobedience to the Lord. Uh, and so what we have to learn in our own lives is Jesus learned obedience by the things which he suffered. So in other words, he he was always obedient. And because he was obedient, he did suffer. Right. But but he learned in that that it's still most important thing is to obey. Right. That's the most important thing is to obey. That's what he learned. He learned that obedience was the most important thing because every time on the backside of obedience, he was always blessed. Right. And that's where you have to have confidence in the Lord. That's where I think people like Saul and, and Christians nowadays. They lack confidence that the Lord will prosper them because of their obedience. And because they lack confidence in that, they go and try to do it on their own power, their own ability by snookering people and doing different things. And I mean, churches are terrible about that. Churches think that their prosperity is achieved by uh, cutting your salary in half. Right. So if you come and paint my sanctuary for me, normally you'd get you'd get five thousand dollars to paint the sanctuary. I'm going to give you twenty five hundred dollars because this is the Lord's work. So I'm going to prosper by cutting money out of your pocket. And a lot of a lot of pastors will do that. You know, I I know contractors who they don't like working for churches because, uh, you know, half the time, uh, maybe more often than that, either the church just won't pay. Well, this is the Lord's work or they'll make up some excuse. Well, I don't like how you did it, so I'm not paying you now. But that wasn't part of the deal. You wouldn't make that deal that we made the deal. If I do the work, I get paid. We didn't make the deal that if I do the work and then you don't like that I did exactly what you told me to do, that I don't get paid. That wasn't, there's no contract about that. It was just, I do the work, I get paid, right? That's the simple contract. And yet, um, I've talked to many contractors who just like, yeah, they just won't pay. Isn't that the worst? And they, but see, the pastors think that their prosperity is by snookering everybody around them. Uh, and and that's, on the, that's in the leadership of the church. If the leadership of the church is that way, what do you think the people are like? If the leadership of the church is corrupt, what do you think the people are doing? They're doing the same thing. If they go, you know, get an extra dollar and change at Walmart, they think God's blessed them. Well, is that your dollar? Not your dollar. It's 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 the it's the the Walmart's dollar, right? I, I know back in uh, in the summer, you know, when when uh, the price of uh, raw materials was just going crazy, right? I went and bought a bunch of lumber, and uh, I mean, it was crazy. At that point, it was like three times what it used to cost, right? I mean, it's crazy expensive, right? Uh, and so I, I did what I was going to do, and then I had some lumber left, so I took it back. Well, by the time I bought it, from the time I bought it to the time I took it back, it had gone up another 30%. So they gave me back more money than when I paid for it. Pretty good deal, right? Except it wasn't my money. So I took my, you know, I didn't realize that I left, and I had to go back, you know, and take my receipt. Hey, I bought it at this price, but you gave me this price. So you gave me more money than, I, than I'm supposed to get. So you need to take some money back. And the lady looked at me like, what's wrong with you, right? You know, most people go home, look how the Lord has blessed me, right? The Lord has blessed me, right? I got more money than I should have gotten. Well, the Lord didn't bless me in that. That's their money, right? That's not the Lord's blessing right now. If I go and just go open up a hole in the ground and there's a million dollars, well, you know, if nobody's around, you know, I mean, it might take it to the police department. Sometimes if it's like, you know, by the police, you, you know, you can take it to the police department and there's a law that if they don't find the owner within 30 days, you get to keep it, you know. But if it's 20 bucks on the ground, you know, there's no, I mean, I'm not talking about you got to just, you know, put an ad in the paper because if you said, hey, uh, anybody who lost $20, contact me. You know how many people are going to contact you? 
everybody, right? That was my $20. What's the serial number on it? Well, I don't know. Uh, and so, uh, but, you know, it's pretty obvious, right? You go there, buy something, you come back, get more money back, then you pay for it. So, um, and, and the lady looked at me like, in fact, she said, well, thank you for doing that, but no, we're not going to give you that money back. I mean, we're not going to take that money back from me, you know? And so I did my part, you know, and I can't force them to take, the, take my money, right? Uh, but that, and so at that point, my heart's clear, right? I mean, you know, if I do what I'm supposed to do and they say that's fine, then okay, then my, my heart's clear. Uh, I don't have to do anything else uh, about that because it's their choice, right? Their choice to do whatever they want to it, if they want to bless me. And, and so, uh, and it, you know, at the end of the day, I didn't need that much money. I wasn't going to go over or go under if I had the money or didn't have that much money. It wasn't that much money uh, overall. Uh, but how many people would, would look at that and say, you know, the Lord has blessed me, but the Lord didn't bless you. To obey is better than sacrifice, right? To obey, which is to always do right, right? Uh, and, and you always do that. And, you know, I, I told you the, the one story when I took the, uh, it was Jared and one of his friends when they were just real little, we took them to the movies, you know, and, uh, and so we went and bought a bunch of stuff and we had to uh, get a personal loan because it cost, you know, like $100 for a bag of popcorn, right? And so, uh, and so you go up there and you, you, you get your $100 bag of popcorn and, then, uh, and so we paid for everything and we realized, well, we actually got like an hour before the movie, so... Uh, we said, well, can we come just come back and get it when the movie so we don't, you know, eat it all and we're bored in the movie, right? Because you want to you eat the popcorn during the movie, right? Not before the movie. That's kind of the law, right? And so, uh, so we came back before, just before the movie started and, uh, and they gave us this giant uh, cup, right? Well, we didn't order, right? The giant cup was like $83, right? And the medium-sized cup was only like 50 bucks, right? And so I don't know what the number was, but it's a lot more money for the big-sized cup, right? And so I sent the kids over, they go get it and come back. And uh, they came back. I said, well, we didn't pay for that. And so I said, let's go back and, and we'll pay the difference, right? Uh, because is it, is it mine? Did, did I earn that? Did, you know, did, was, I, was, I, uh, was that something I deserved, you know? Of course, I don't believe I deserve anything anyway, but, uh, but somehow did I earn that particular size? No, I had bought a certain size and they gave me a size larger than that. And so we're walking back there now, not Jared, but his friend said, Jared, let's hurry up and drink it before we get there. So he starts, you know, sucking it like crazy, you know. And I, look, I understand. What, I knew it was going to happen, right? Because they can't take, well, here, we'll take it back. We'll pour, pour it back in the, the tub, right? And they're not going to do that, right? That's just, that would, there's no way, especially nowadays, right? And so um, I took it back over and said, hey, you know, we ordered this. You gave me that. You know, I need to pay the difference. And they said, no problem. Just, you know, we're not going to charge you the difference in that. So I'm good, right? I'm, uh, I've done my part, right? Uh, and and so, uh, so I don't have to go home and go, well, you know, I stole them, stole 30 bucks from them, right, for that extra size cup there that we got. Um, so the, the point is, you know, how, how much do you believe that obedience is the most important thing that you can do? No matter the cost, no matter how expensive it's going to cost you, right? No matter what the cost is. If it costs you everything you own, would you be willing to, be, to obey, right? No matter what it costs you, are you willing to obey? Because, see, if you are, then, you, then you'll have the confidence, even if it costs you everything you have, you'll get it all back, you know, hundredfold, right? Because Jesus said, if you give up anything for my sake or the gospel's sake, so in other words, if you do what I ask you to do and it costs you, he said you're going to get a return, right? So if we would believe that, there'd be a whole lot less crookery going on in a church, right? A whole lot less shenanigans going on in church. Now, I remember years ago uh, uh, when I was with my pastor, 
we had, you know, we had a, a nursery kind of about the same size of our nursery there, maybe a little bit larger, but not much larger. And um, uh, we, uh, there was one of the fellows in the church who was kind of a contractor type. He did, you know, repairs and things like that. And so we said, well, you know, if, if, if we pull up all the old carpet and buy the new carpet and lay it all out, you know, will you tack it down for us, you know, because so, you know how to tack it down and stretch it and all that stuff. Uh, will you install this carpet for us, right? So they, been, they really didn't have to do anything, right? We cleaned out all the room for them, got rid of all the stuff, just basically laid the carpet in the room. All they had to do was basically roll it out and tack it down, right? And they did, and they charged the church $400. Thinking, 400, 400, you worked an hour. I mean, it probably took them an hour to do that, right? $400. Uh, and see, now the church doesn't deserve for him to do it for free, but at the same time, you know, he took advantage of the church and said, well, your church got a lot of money. I need a lot of money, so it's going to be this much money, right? And I've had people do that to me before, too. You know, hey, you know, we do that. Oh, yeah, I do that. And they said, well, how much is it? It's a million dollars. I'm thinking, what do you mean a million? You didn't, you didn't do much, you know. But since we didn't agree on it, you know, I'd pay him. But, you know, that's be the last time we'll ever use them, ever, right? Because they can't be trusted. They can't, you know, they're going to try to retire on one job. And, you know, a lot of times people retire, retire on one job. And so instead of doing what's right, um, uh, and look, the church, you're under no obligation to do things for free for the church, right? I mean, if, if, you, if, you're do, if you do that job for a living, nothing wrong with the church paying you to do that. Now, if you decide to, volu- decide to volunteer that work for the church, that's fine too, right? I mean, but it should be a, it should be a, a, uh, a two-way agreement, right? It's not just, well, you know, you do that for free, so you should do that. I mean, you, you do that for a living, so you, do, should, you should do it for free for the church, and look, I did a lot of stuff free from, from my pastor over the years, all kinds of computer work for free, right? All kinds of stuff, artwork for free. Uh, and I never complained about that because to me it was always sowing and reaping, right? And so, but the pastor didn't demand that I do it for free. Uh, and so, so Saul lost everything. Now, the thing is, this was like seven years before Saul died. So even though the Lord said, because later on, uh, he, uh, the Lord said, um, that he's rejected you from being king over Israel. See, what Saul should have done right then is, well, then I'm just going to retire. I'll, you know, uh, I'll step down from king. You put in whoever you want this king. I'm gonna st-. But he didn't do it. And, you know, uh, well, well, how come? Well, the Lord is long-suffering, and, you know, Saul should have just left on his own. He knew he was no longer the king. Spiritually, he was no longer the king. As of this moment, as far as the Lord was concerned, he was no longer king. Uh, and yet it still took him seven years. So, um, you know, for, for, you know, my desire in this is for us to understand the gravity of this situation, right? How big of a deal this was with the Lord. Because this sheep and goats, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't a big deal, right? Now, later on, um, the, uh, later on, uh, Samuel killed the king, right, in front of everybody. Because that's what Saul was supposed to do, is kill the king, um, and so he took care of that, right? But, um, uh, but obedience is one of those things that, you know, uh, this took seven years for it to catch up with Saul, right? I mean, he was, he was rejected as king in this moment, but it still took him seven years to catch up. And a lot of times we think, well, nothing happened. You know, the earth didn't open up and swallow me. I didn't die, you know, get, didn't get run over. So I must be okay. But that doesn't mean you're okay, right? Because you'll know in your heart if you're all right or not. You know, that, so when I go, when I went to, back to, to Lowe's and took, um, took that, uh, that material back, took my, uh, when I left there, even though I left more money than I, than I uh, got there with, I, I slept well at night. 
I didn't toss and turn and go, well, you know, I guess if, if the Lord doesn't kill me by tomorrow, I guess it's okay that I kept it. Well, that's not my measure. My measure is, Lord, am I good? You know, I go to Lord. I don't, I don't observe the Lord's, uh, ob- uh, the Lord's approval of my actions by the lack of judgment. I just go to, I, I've got a relationship with the Lord, right? It's not thy God, it's my God. I, Lord, uh, what, I should, what should I do here? Take it back. Oh, no problem. I'll take it back. right now. I'll go right now and take it back, you know. Uh, and, and um, you know, it, it's, uh, there's been plenty of things like that, you know, that we go to the bank and we, we deposit uh, the, the offerings for the church and we're a dollar off. I'll take it all the way back home. We've got to figure it out, you know. It's a dollar, I know, but it's not my money. I've got to figure it out. Where did that dollar go, right? Uh, and, and uh, you know, sometimes it's obvious. Well, it's just you added up wrong. It's always some simple thing like that. Uh, there's no corruption there, obviously, but... Um, you know, we're, to me, obedience, especially in areas like that, is the most important thing, right? Uh, and so, uh, so you know, um, I, I wanted to go over this particular story because, you know, suffering is always going to be a result of obedience. And really, the suffering that King Saul should have been doing is, is missing out on the blessings of this sheep and, and the things that he kept, right? So... Uh, he, he, could, he could have increased, because he said it was for the sacrifice of the Lord, but really, you know, we don't know. It was just as likely that it could have been, we could sell this for some money, right? And, and so instead of suffering the loss of that potential income, he, he lied about it and twisted the, the, what happened to, to cover his, his own self. But he knew he was guilty the whole time. But even to the very end, he said, I did what the Lord told me to do. And it's like, no, you did not. If I hear sheep, you know, uh, bleeding uh, and oxing mooing, right, then, then you didn't do what the Lord said. I did what the Lord said. Like, well, then, then we, are, we are at an impasse. But who's right? The Lord's always right. right? Even, if we're, if, even if we say we're right, the Lord's always right, right? So, so, so the question for us is, is it worth it? Is it worth, to, is it worth it to obey the Lord? Is it worth it to obey the Lord? If it costs you your very life, is it worth it to obey the Lord? Um, is, uh, now, some people, they would sacrifice their physical life, but would you be willing to sacrifice your position or sacrifice your, your uh, reputation or sacrifice what people think of you or sacrifice you know, your bank account? So we don't know what's going on right here, so... We, something uh, big all the things are out there so uh, must be somebody got pulled over a speeding ticket or something right so we've got 87 vehicles out there right so uh, slow night in Dayton but um, all is well right uh, and so uh, so if you can get settled in your heart and you have to get it settled in your heart before you ever uh, do something right so before Saul ever went to the Amalekites he should have settled in his heart doesn't matter what I hear, doesn't matter what I see, they're all gone. Doesn't matter how much they beg, doesn't matter how much they plead, doesn't matter how pretty those sheep are, doesn't matter how fat those oxen are, they're all gone. So you've got to get it settled in your heart before you ever move. I'm going to obey the Lord no matter the cost, right? Uh, and, you know, and for me and Chris, we've, we've done that. Um, the Lord told us to, to leave, uh, leave where we were in Cookville and come over here. You know, we loved Cookville, right? Our kids were all born and raised there, all went to school there. We had good friends there. We loved the neighborhood. We loved, you know, loved everything about it. But when the Lord said it's time to go, then it's time to go, right? And 
Now, we stayed there a year and a half after we started the church here so that our uh, uh, the middle child could finish uh, high school there, so Paige could finish high school, because we didn't want to uproot here, but we drove back and forth twice uh, a week, right? We hadn't started healing school then, so we're, so we're here twice a week. So we drove back and forth an hour and a half one way twice a week, right? And, and no problem. I mean, didn't complain about it. Just it was a deal, right? That's the deal. And then when she graduated high school, then we sold everything and moved here. Uh, and so, and, uh, but, you know, if you'll do that, the thing that we observed is as soon as the Lord said it was time to leave where we were and come here, there was no grace to stay there. You know, there, we, we couldn't get out of there fast enough. You know, we still stayed there a year and a half, but, you know, for other reasons. But, uh, but when, we, when we left, I mean, we weren't mad at anybody or anything like that. It, but when the Lord says the grace is here, then there's no grace to stay there. And if we would learn that, that uh, you can't stay in disobedience and stay in the grace of God. The grace is only where the obedience is, right? Uh, and so there was grace here to, to move the ministry here. Uh, and so, so we go where the grace is at, right? Uh, and we left everything. We walked away, right, from everything. Walked away from, from friends and, and, um, and houses and all that. Walked away, right? Just came here. And, um, uh, and it wasn't even a big deal, right, for us. We've, we've been walking with the Lord uh, long enough that when the Lord says to do it, we just do it, right? Uh, and so... Um, because we know there's always obedience, right? And really now we've been, we've been physically here in the town for about seven years. And, um, you know, right now we're the most prosperous we've ever been, the, the happiest we've ever been, uh, we're the healthiest we've ever been. Uh, we've, got the, uh, uh, we've got the best cats we've ever had, right? Um, and the same dog, you know, the dog came over with us over on the ark, right? But, uh, you know, we upgraded some cats and pretty good cats, right? Uh, and so... Uh, life is good uh, and and you know we didn't do that so we could get all that stuff we got all that stuff because we did it right and so it's uh to me it's always worth the effort amen uh, and so i just want to encourage you uh, you have to settle in your heart how obedient you're willing to be no matter the cost no matter who you make mad right no matter what they do what they say you've got to decide is it worth the cost right and if it is then you'll always be okay amen and so let's pray and thank the lord for his word so father we thank you for your word and Father, we thank you for the examples that you recorded in your word for us, for those who are obedient like the Lord Jesus and all the disciples, Father. Uh, and even, Father, those who are disobedient like King Saul and even sometimes with David, uh, we can learn from both their successes and their failures, Father. So we can avoid their uh, failures and follow their successes. And Lord, there's no greater success than being entirely, fully and completely obedient to you, Father, regardless of the cost. And so, Lord, we will do that. We commit ourselves to do that, to always obey, to do what you ask us to do, Father, and to say what you want us to say and to go where you want us to go and to, to speak what you want us to speak. And so we thank you for that, Father, and we give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this, this evening's offering. You know, one of the, the, the most difficult things to learn obedience is in how to control your tongue. Right. And how to say things you're supposed to say and not say things that you're not supposed to say. Uh, and so come ahead, Mr. Jared. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of times people have come and said things to me that were very unkind. You know, and the only thing I think is, is you know, I could have never done that. I could have never gone and said those words to that person that you're saying to me because there's no way that's the Lord. Right. It's so, so unkind. And I think, you know, there's no way the Lord told you to say that because, number one, it's not true what you're saying. 
Uh, and yet, see, in their mind, not in their, not in their spirit, man, but in their mind, they're doing the work of the Lord. But see, uh, so many times our flesh rises up and demands that we go and do something, right? Go say something, go do something. Uh, and the only way we can justify it is, thus said the Lord. Uh, remember, we read a while back, they were saying, thus said the Lord, when the Lord has not spoken. And, and that's pretty tough. That's dangerous right there, right? Uh, and so, uh, but the Lord is good, you know, uh, all of us breathing air, then we got a chance to change right now, right? So you got a shot. And so we all got a shot, don't we? Amen. So be blessed. Uh, have a wonderful weekend, Lord, and we'll see you on Sunday. And the ladies will see you all on Saturday, right?